You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Mountain Wire Basketball Podcast. Jeremy Moss, Eli Bethker here. Hey, it's March. Finally. This is March. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) We're here. March. Recording March 1st. We are now 15 days from the Mountain West title game, 16 from Selection Sunday. Is that right? Yep, you're right. And you're going to be there, too, hanging out in Vegas. I am. That's right. All by yourself because I can't go this year, so have fun. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to hold it down. (laughs) It'll be okay. Go – well, we know to go hang out with Jeff Grammer and not, not screw up a podcast like we did last year. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. That was fun. I'm like, it should work, Jeff. Come on over. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was that was a good time. We recorded at like 1 a.m. inside the arena. Something like that. It's the one time where we actually go live on our Block Talk Radio and it doesn't pick up for some reason. So that was good stuff too. That was too bad. <laughs> yeah, we talked oh. about the uh, the Mexico lineup, how they're running at midnight for that game mm-hmm. the next day or 2 a.m. or no, getting up at 6 a.m. to go do their normal workout. So. But it's March. We have fun stories. We have huge game this week. Beyond huge. Utah State at Nevada. Or she means Nevada at Utah State. Sold out. I am unable to go for... They've got people in, tan- in uh, tents outside. For a couple days, I think, as well. Yeah, And, crazy. more importantly, bacon giveaway. Oh, jeez. Yeah, behind Section L. I saw you tweet that. Mm-hmm. You... <laughs> 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 I... Uh, I... Here's the thing. I don't know if I'd be able to go to the game for a pass because I haven't been all year, and whatever. It's I'll watch on TV. I have stuff going on, so I'll I won't watch a lot. But we'll we'll be main in the fort chatting about what's going on. See if um, Sam Merrill can go off for 35 points, or Jordan Caroline does not go over eight, but has 22 points or something. But I have a, a story time. Okay. We uh we thought we put this to bed, or at least stop talking about it. Nevada or UNR? Uh, you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> So, working the other day at my other job, I we this came up because we're talking Mountain West basketball because Craig Smith, Utah State coach, joined a radio show. So, like, great, talked to him for a minute. Um, and they're playing Nevada. This guy went to UNLV. I think he taught at UNLV as well for a time. Or, no, he worked at a radio station in Las Vegas somewhere. He now works up in Salt Lake. And I don't see him all the time. We're just chatting about it. So, I'm like, all right, give it to me straight. You are a – okay, I work at a news radio station. I do sports here, but it's a news organization, okay? Which mm-hmm. means AP style, right? Typically, right? Yep. Okay. So I asked him, I'm like, all right, you're from the Las Vegas area. What is it? And he also went to UNLV, so okay, there's that too. Because he's a Rebels fan. We started talking about Tark and all that stuff and um, Sanctions and Larry Johnson, Juco guys and Brandon McCoy, all that fun stuff. So I'm like, all right, tell me what it is. Is it Nevada or UNR? What do you think he says? UNR. You want to know, is reason I could respect, but I don't like it. I go, I go. Are you saying that as a fan or as like a you are a news person essentially? He's like, well, I still see UNR because I hate them. It's like it's like a little slap in the face thing. It's like he tried to bring up the Cal State thing. I'm like, no, is it Cal State Fresno State University? Like those type of things. It's like, yeah, it's Cal Berkeley, but typically it's Cal or Berkeley. It's not both. It's not Cal State. Uh, there's Cal State Fullerton, but there's not. He tried to make a lame excuse. It's not University of California, Los Angeles. It's UCLA. I'm like, well, yeah, but people know that. Mm-hmm. His excuse was confusion. 
Because if you say University of Nevada or Nevada, it can be confused with you because of UNLV. Uh, no. I know. No. <laughs> so he's like, but his main point was, well, it's UNR because I hate them. It's like, okay, well, you're not being objective or logical. I'm like, what about AP style if you give a news report? Well, probably say UNR. I'm like, come on. <laughs> because I hate them. <laughs> hey, at least he's honest. We appreciate the honesty. I do. His rationale, and we kind of argued at it because our shows were over. He was just doing running the board. Now it's kind of podcasting our shows, kind of, sort of killing some time. But I'm like, really? It's like, I'm like, I my only exception, which I think you agree, is for space constraints in like a headline. Yes. To yes, make it that, fit. I get that. That's the only time it's okay. <laughs> but to confusion, to confusion, to confusion to to who? Right. If you say University of Nevada. Are you confused with that ever? Are you okay? Oh, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Have you heard of Texas A and M? What's that? If you you've heard of Texas A and M, I'm assuming, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, who has? Okay. Um, do, do you um do you know what Texas A and M Corpus Christi is? Yes. Would you be confused if somebody said Texas A and M and you thought it was the other school, Corpus Christi or something, or no. Texas A and M Commerce or whatever Texas A and M there is? No, I would I wouldn't get them confused because I mean because you would specify that the other one's Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Okay. His point, well, like, but that, but then again, if you say, but the two, two school names are different as well, Nevada and UNLV, right? Yes, technically it is University of Nevada Reno, but it's they they call themselves University of Nevada. I, I the confusion thing doesn't get me. I'm like, I I get I I can understand why he thinks that, but it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, I I I'm with you on that. All right, we're done talking about. It. I just want to bring up one more story about to ask a guy who's okay. from Las Vegas, works in the news with me. I'm like. What do you got? What do you, what is it? He's like, no, yeah. it's I'm like, it's <laughs> no. Unless you're a space constraint on Twitter or a headline, don't do it. So I don't care. I it's always Nevada, University of Nevada. If you want to say University of Nevada Reno, maybe just because that's okay, I believe, but no. Alright, let's get to actual fun stuff. Let's um we'll save the game for the end. Was there anything well actually I'm asking Eli. How surprised were you? Because Utah State San Diego State was a pretty big deal as well. Mm-hmm. And that was basically no contest for the Aggies. Yeah, it was. So, was that shocking to why Neva- uh, San Diego State's winning, what, what are they, eight of nine, five in a row, and they get blown out? Or or is it just Utah State's finally gotten that much better? I thought it would be a closer fight. Me too. Um, I, I definitely thought it was going to be a closer fight. Utah State just, just pummeled the Aztecs as their first win against San Diego State. Ever. Uh, as a Mountain West member, so that's that's a pretty big deal for them. Um, I think the key, the key for me at least heading into the game was whether or not Utah State would be able to balance their scoring because that was not the case when Utah State lost to San Diego State earlier this year, um, and that's their only loss since uh, what is that? Early January, Utah State has won 12 of their last 13 games and are just really hitting their stride at the right time in the season. So. It, it was a bit of a surprise to see San Diego State's winning streak come to an end like that. I Not to say that I thought SDSU would come out of Logan with a victory, but to win by 16 and be up by as many as Utah State was up, they led by 21 with over yeah. three minutes to play. Um, I think it's more of a testament to where Utah State is right now um, and how difficult it is to win at the spectrum. I did too. And the Aggie defense, like Jalen McDaniels, seven points. Deshaun, uh, or sorry, Watson had two of 14, five points. And so when you hold those type of guys, excuse me, Devin Watson, obviously not. Think of Deshaun, um, you know, Texans quarterback and that, that guy. Um, no, but 
they shoot 30% from the field, 35%, and they they couldn't rebound the ball. They aren't rebound by seven on a defensively, doubled up an offensive rebound, second chance points, free throws were a disparity. I just double check that. More turnovers forced by Utah State. And you're right, the scoring, like Aggies had two guys off the bench scored double digits. Mm-hmm. And Sam Merrill had a, not modest, but 19, but had to go one from nine from three point range. Yeah. He was not accurate at all. So I give credit more to the defense and the bench stepping up to why they got the seemingly very easy victory. And I just think Utah State is so, oh, hold, hold so on, hold good. On. Hensley yeah. also zero points. Come on. Yeah, I mean, it, it <laughs> happens. And, and Utah State, I think, just defended really well. But as far as Utah State is concerned, I just think this team is so good when they balance their scoring and they get production from guys off the bench. Um, just so many games in conference play they've had. Um, any one of their role players or bench players come off the um, pine to finish in double figures and Against San Diego State, it was Justin Bean, who's a freshman, and he doesn't really play that much, but he scored 10 points off seven shot attempts, got eight rebounds, a uh, block and a steal. Huge. Yeah. And, yeah, he uh, he was fantastic for them. So that's what, what makes Utah State so good. And I always come back to this, but my concern for this team heading into the year, and I think you shared the same sentiment, was that we just didn't know – how good the players not named Sam Merrill would be on this team. And I think that question has certainly been answered, uh, not only with their starters but with their bench players, because when they're able to get production from these guys, um, Dwayne Brown's been excellent off the bench. Um, Crew Ainge has played some good minutes. Justin Bean, what he did. Abel Porter had that game winner against New Mexico. They're just getting quality minutes from these lesser-known guys that come come off the bench or just don't play as big of a role as Merrill or Kata. And that's the reason why they're winning some of these games. Yeah, with Bean really quick, this is his only second double-digit game of the year. Most minutes he's played all year as well. Basically his best game of the year. He had 12 points against Eastern Oregon, so like whatever. And so this is by far his best game, most minutes. And they win with him doing that, but also Kata didn't play very well. He's in foul trouble, only nine points, only a couple rebounds, two blocks, great, but... This was one of his worst games in months, it seems like. And they had these other guys step up and do something. And we'll see what they do on Saturday versus Nevada. But they like they were predicted ninth of the conference. You're right, new head coach. They find Kata in August, essentially. They lose um, McEwen, who's not on the team anymore. They had just Merrill. It's like, who else is going to be there? Merrill played 40 minutes against San Diego State. He played the entire game. He needs to be the leading scorer, but I don't think he needs to always have his best game ever for them to win. And I think that's the sign of a good team, right? When you don't mm-hmm. always have to lead on your go-to guy to get points or get production. When you're able to get it from what you would probably call your sixth or seventh or eighth best player, and they're able to pour mm-hmm. in ten points and eight rebounds on any given night, I think that's the sign that uh, the team is legit and that they pose a serious threat to Nevada and any other team in the conference. Yeah, he was 6-20. to 20. Merrill was not at all. Mm-hmm. One of them. He kept shooting, but he there like I said, other people step up. Like Taylor had... 11 rebounds, 13. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes the rest of the way. But now with that win, even though like, okay, the Aztec win, what are they still like 120 net or something like that? Ken Palm, not quite high. They're still 128th in net. Okay. So the win itself, like I wrote the quick piece on it about the two seeds. We talked about last week or two bids, I should say what they need to do um, for state or for Utah state. I should say they, well, I don't know. Do they need to beat Nevada to get in still? This weekend? Uh, it sure would make things a lot easier. Well, obviously, yeah. I would say 
I don't know, because what my thing was, San Diego State finishing strong. Yes, they lose this one game. Say San Diego State wins out, like I mentioned last time. That means Nevada would lose once or twice. And Utah State could win the outright title if they win this weekend, win out. Obviously, just win out, I should say. And then Nevada loses one more game, right? Mm-hmm. So they could win the conference title outright, which would be amazing since they're ninth in the conference. If they do that, I think they're in no matter what. Because they'd have San Diego State be a mate. Think they could crack crack top hundred if they beat Nevada again? Um, it could happen. Um, let's see. That would place San Diego State at least if they were to play on a neutral site. San Diego State would become a quadrant two game um, in Vegas, so that could be a pretty big deal. Um, I, I think it's possible that might still be asking a bit too much. I don't know. Okay. My point is it'd be close, and who knows how the seeding comes at tournament? Because if Aztecs are the three seed and they went they didn't win at least one game that might get them there i don't know we'll see but my point is I, or at least i'm trying to make the point it's got to be close because i looked at cbs this morning jerry palm actually has them in the proper field of 64 not the playing game and you look over a bracket matrix there utah state city nats let me search again very last team in there uh, that's right the very last team in the field so they would not yeah because you'd have uh belmont and lipscomb playing That'd be crappy for the playing game, right? Over 68. <laughs> Who's the other team they play? Is it 11 seed they do that? I forget. Or is it all 12 seeds? Uh, it, it depends from year to year. So I guess under this bracket matrix, it would have Utah State taking on Minnesota and Temple taking on Oh, Steve there's, yeah, yeah. So they, yeah. Okay, so they would be the first team, or first team out, I guess, is 64. Mm-hmm. That's right. So there's a couple, like 11 is, I'm just going through these really quick. A couple have 11. One has a nine. That's interesting. A couple still don't have the men. I'm wondering why that's the case. There's 100 brackets, 122. I, I don't know. It's going to be super close, right? Because winning will make, will make it a whole lot easier. If they lose, I'm guessing for at large as I put in my piece, they'd have to make the title game versus Nevada. Yeah, that's probably going to be the case. I, they just still lack that win that could really get them over the hump. And the best win to this point is St. Mary's, the neutral site game in mid-November. They might be NIT team right now. Yeah, so they don't have any wins against teams that will be represented in the NCAA tournament field unless they go on and beat Nevada. Um, and St. Mary's, that game could slip from quadrant one to quadrant two if the Gales don't finish the season strong. They're currently 39th in net, and top 50 teams on a neutral floor represent that first quadrant. So if St. Mary's slips past... Uh, 50th, then that game will fall under Quadrant 2, which would make the Aggies 0-2 against Quadrant 1 teams. So, well, right now, uh, St. Mary's, they finished their season this weekend in the West Coast because they fit wrap up a week earlier. They mm-hmm. have really quick uh, Gonzaga. So. <laughs> and, so it shouldn't hurt too much. Yeah, because I don't think they're going to win. But what it, what, what it does as well, which I don't know if this hurts or helps them, we'll see how the – because their tournament's going to be – their tournament's weird because they don't play Sunday with BYU – so they do like a – and they have like the ladder system where the one and two seed go to the semifinals. And I think that's a Saturday game, if I'm correct, next Saturday or Monday. I forget I what. I think so. That, that bracket's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. So if you're the one or two seed, and I don't know where they'll be because BYU has one more game. I'm not sure the tiebreaker scenario. But I'm wondering, what do you think would help, say, Utah State more? If St. Mary's – they don't win this weekend, which seems likely – they, uh, if they're the two seed, they don't play until semifinal. That means they have maybe one or two more games. What would be more valuable for Utah State for them to be the three seed and play a worser team and maybe lose, 
or even still want to get an extra game or make it to the semifinals automatically and play maybe like the three seed, like BYU. Like, what do you think would be better? Because you, or would it be better to avoid the worser teams? Be, or worse teams, I should say, not worser. But, like, say, for example, like, they play BYU and lose. BYU's an okay team, but that's the only game they have left after Gonzaga. Like, that probably wouldn't drop them all that much, right? Yeah, whatever prevents you, uh, St. Mary's falling out of the top 50. So if they were to lose to any team not named Gonzaga or BYU, they're probably going to slip out of the top 50. So just avoiding that at all costs. And St. Mary's has had their fair share of slip-ups this season, too. They lost to Pepperdine, Western Kentucky, Harvard. So they do have a couple bad L's on their schedule. And they um, split they, split with BYU. So I'm not sure what the tiebreaker yeah. is, if they're the two or three seed. I'm guessing, for me, you'd want them to avoid the worst, like the bad teams as possible. Of course, yeah. So I guess, because they're not beating Gonzaga. They lost 94-46 or 46 at home. <laughs> no, on, that's on the road, so not at home, so... Maybe there's a 10-point difference, 85-55, I don't know. <laughs> so it's still a 30-point margin. So, yeah, so that it's um, it'll be close. So that's what they need St. Mary's to probably make the title game the West Coast Conference to give Utah State a quality victory. And then what what would surprise you if they for them not to get in? Like, say, let's, say, let's just say this happens. I know Ken Palm has Utah State winning by one. It's now 52% up from 51, if you're wondering. Slight uptick for the Aggies for whatever reason. Um can Utah State get in if they – or is let me ask oh, – well, I'm, I'm rambling here. I apologize, people. <laughs> if they don't – if they lose to Nevada and don't make the title game, they're out no matter what, correct? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say they're probably out, yeah. So they're be- – so they would – like kind of what we discussed. They need to – at worst – the worst-case scenario to make the field is lose to Nevada and lose in the Mountain West title game to Nevada. I think there's probably a coin flip at that point, I would think. Okay. I still think they need to either beat Nevada once before the season's over or obviously win the Mountain West title. One more scenario to throw at you real quick. Let's mm-hmm. say, because we saw last year, we were there, New Mexico-San Diego State made the final. What if, say, San Diego um, – no. Fresno's probably going to be the four, right? Is that likely at the moment? Because we'll get to that stuff in a minute. Either Fresno or San Diego State. Yeah. Regardless whoever it is, let's just say the four seed plays Utah State and Utah State loses. They're not getting three teams in, are they? I don't think so. Uh, I think Utah State would then, or you, so you're assuming Utah State would be the one seed under that situation. Well, no, it doesn't matter. Let's just no, 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 no. no my scenario is still well. Okay, let's do that. There's two scenarios in. Let's go that route then. Let's say they'll say they beat Nevada. They'll huh. say they are the one seed for whatever reason because Nevada's in regardless. Yeah, they may drop to an eight seed if they lose the rest of their games. But let's just say, let's say yeah, let's go that way. Say they're the number one seed and they face don't face Nevada and lose a title game. Still a coin, coin flip? So you're saying that they, they basically win out, beat Nevada, mm-hmm. and then lose in the title game to... Not Nevada. To not Nevada. I think that they're still in. I mean, unless it's to a really bad team, but I don't think a, like a bad team's going to get to the final. Probably be one of those top five seeds. San Diego State, probably. San Diego State or Fresno State, yeah. So you think that would get the League 3 teams in? I, I think it's still reasonable. I, I, had, I had juggled that idea a little bit earlier this week. I know yeah. Richie Schuler from ESPN mentioned that. I don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibility because that would mean Utah State would be, uh, let's see, 20, what is that, 26 and 7 with the win over Nevada. 26 and 8, essentially. 26 and oh, 8. Oh, no, 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 sorry. 20, regular season, yeah. 26 and 7, and then they'd be 28 and 8. 
Yeah. So they would still be they would still be top 40 in net. They still have that strong uh, strength of schedule. Non-conference, They have the yeah. quality win that they need. Um, I, I think they'd be in good, sh- good shape. And that would also assume that because it would likely be Fresno State or San Diego State, that those teams would have a significant rise in net. And so Fresno mm-hmm. State would probably rise. Um, at least their loss, at least Utah State's loss would rise from quadrant three to a quadrant two. Mm-hmm. And maybe... Well, what would uh, it matter if they're, if they're automatic bid? Who cares? You know yeah, I mean? but it would it would help Utah State. Oh, yeah, go. I see you, oh, I see you, yeah, because that Fresno State home loss right now is under quadrant three, and Fresno State needs to rise at least thirteen spots to make it a quadrant two. So if they were to make a run, that would be possible and it would help uh, Utah State's team sheet. So what if so, you, what if you interesting just, scenario? Yeah, what if they're not the number one seed in that same scenario? Like say they're the number okay. two seed, like they lose to Nevada, but still same scenario prior. Would that? Same. And losing the t- and losing the title game to not Nevada. Uh, no, they'd be done. Okay, all right. That's uh, okay. Yeah. I was, we want to get all scenarios out there, folks. Just oh, to... there, it's it gets complex. It's like a big spider web of things that could happen. So let's keep keep that going. Who's gonna be the third seed then, Eli? <laughs> uh, um, I will probably go with San Diego State. What? I think that they probably get the home win against Fresno State, and uh, that would be Fresno State's. Um, Excuse me. Their sixth loss in conference play, and San Diego State would probably lose to um, Nevada again. But right. because San Diego State has a win over Nevada, they would win that tiebreaker, and that would be um, beneficial for the Aztecs because they would win the head-to-head tiebreaker over Fresno State if they have the same win-loss record to get the third seat. If so, you got all of that. Well, let's back up really quick. Um, okay. Let's. Um... What's the tiebreaker scenario? Because we, we kind of talked before. So right. if, if I'm correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong because I probably will be wrong. Um, obviously, head-to-head record. Yep. After that, it's it's weird because you mentioned it's win-loss record against the next team in standings. But as you said, it, 0-1 is better than 0-2 for some reason. Is that how, how it works out? Yeah, so say uh, San Diego State finishes what – 12 and 6 assuming they beat San Jose State, beat Fresno State and lose to Nevada and Fresno State also finishes 12 and 6. Those two teams would have an equal head to head because they would both be 1 and 1. They'd split the season series. Mm-hmm. And then the next tiebreaker would be against Nevada or whoever's first place in the Mountain West because it starts after head to head tiebreaker it begins with win loss record against common opponents and it starts with the highest team and moves all the way down to the lowest team. So, assuming Nevada wins the regular season title, um, San Diego State and Fresno State's head-to-head tiebreaker would go up against the um, common win-loss against Nevada. And because San Diego State already has a win against Nevada and Fresno State is 0-2 against Nevada, San Diego State would get that head-to-head tiebreaker. But if Utah State were to win the title, then they'd go against Utah State's record between the two, Fresno and San Diego State? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nastics were they split, and then Fresno split as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, so then, then it would move Nevada. down, move back down to Nevada. So yeah. basically, San Diego State has the clear inside track to the third seed. Yes. Okay. There you go. And then they control their own destiny. Yeah, to get to the third seed, but they're not mm-hmm. going to get any higher. And also, we should note: Hey, if Nevada wins conference champions again outright, number mm-hmm. one seed overall, and. There you go. They get to avoid that twelve-hour turnaround, whatever it is, for the late. I think the late game to the afternoon CBS game because you know TV money and all. Come on. Oh yes. 
Oh, that was uh, even interesting for us. Like, yeah, get back at 1, 1 a.m., one, go to bed at 2, get back to arena at, what, 2 Pacific, 1 Pacific? Just saying. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was about a 12-hour turnaround for us. To get back. Yes. And so it's uh, obviously much harder for actual athletic endeavors by those guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then me going to Raising Canes or in and out after, then going to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, are you going to Raising Canes this time when you're there finally? Uh, That's that's the plan. Raising canes or in and out? Raising canes by far. Okay. Or both. Okay. I'm, I'm, here's the thing. I haven't I, tried either. You haven't tried either? Oh, no, right. never never had them. Oh, that's another conversation, but we'll get to it right now. <laughs> um, Here's the thing. I talked to Matt goes to Vegas a little bit to our buddy Matt Kennerly. I'm mm-hmm. like, are you going to canes? Like, why? There's much better food. I get that. Ooh. There is, well, I, like, it's a fast food place. Come on. That's what we're getting at. You can go have a great, hotels have good restaurants or good buffets or because it's such a mixed culture, you can get great restaurants. If you want to go to Emerald's Place or whoever else is out there, get some pretty good food. You can do the option, but if you want a place, like I'll spend ten bucks. Go there. Your goal, we need to. Um, you have to go to both places. Okay, what, I'll give them both a try. What could be done? Is that going to happen? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to make it happen. No, not try. To... You're gonna make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the deal. Um, I, I tried you tw- to do in and out when I was in Vegas. What happened? In October, yes, and I was gonna grab In and Out after uh, I finished up at the media day, mm-hmm. and I don't know what happened. My phone freaked out or something, and yeah, I couldn't it. get an Uber. Like uh, the Uber drivers couldn't pin me, and so I literally caught my Uber two minutes before my flight was boarding. Oh, okay. Um, and so that completely ruled out any hope of getting In and Out. But I will be better this time i got a new phone Good. i got uber set up in and out and raising canes i'll make it happen excellent so all you do just go um raising canes get everyone the bread is amazing i'm just saying it's it's really i want them to build one right now and in and out um i don't know what burgers you like but just go with animal style and that's a good way to go <laughs> that sounds good it's right. and fries people say they're great they're not bad just eat them first because they get cold quickly because there's okay. skinny fries so there's your food talk again but and we need that we didn't we didn't report back mid mid March about that. So uh, okay. well, that's actually um, I guess that's part one of the podcast. Part two, basketball. Um, so we talk we got the big game. Let's go to Utah State Nevada. It's a CBS Sports Network game. It is what five thirty Pacific? Is that correct? It know. is yes, you're correct. Five thirty right. Pacific on CBS Sports Network. No, CBS yes. Sports. Get that right because people are like I'm on my local CBS affiliate. I see some crappy Big Ten game. What's the deal? <laughs> or I see. Hey, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, Purdue. Are you playing or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, at that time, there was not a CBS game. Yes, well, Duke-Miami, whatever. Okay, ACC game. Mediocre ACC game. Miami-Duke. <laughs> mm-hmm. With possibly no Zion playing. Yeah. I will say this. Um, yes, it's six. It's 5.30 Pacific, uh, 8.30 if you're on the East Coast. Um, if you want our um, free trial of Fubo to watch the game, go to, definitely hit that up on the site. You can give us a few. It will be appreciative if you click the link and subscribe because it's awesome. For a trial, but this game, so we know Utah State is Ken Palm a one point favorite. Is that home court? Is that because Nevada's two losses are on the road this year? Is that Utah State's playing better, or is it all of the above? Uh, probably all of the above. I don't know how much of that actually factors into Ken Palm's projections, but I don't know if that's what I would go with. I don't know if you've seen the Vegas line. I haven't yet, but I would imagine Nevada's favored. I need to find out. Uh, it's not showing here on ESPN. I'll go to a different website and see why you keep going. Yeah. I, so 
in terms of this game, I can see why Utah State would be favored. They've just been fantastic at home, and the spectrum is already sold out. It's going to be a crazy environment. Bacon. So I don't, I don't know if that is really, really going to come to fruition. I, I think this will be a close game. But to say that Utah State is my favorite in this game is probably a bit of a stretch. Uh, Nevada, the last time they played, just dominated Utah State. It was a 72-49 final. Utah State had by far its worst performance of the entire season. Um, just two guys finishing in double figures. They averaged .65 points per possession. It was just brutal. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be the case this time around. I think it'll be far more competitive, and it definitely should be now that Utah State's playing at home in Logan. Um, but it'll be a good matchup. I think it's going to be physical. It's probably going to be more defensive than offensive, and this one will likely come down to the last few possessions, I'd imagine. So right now there is no odds on this game. Hmm. We have to make our own then. All right, so first off, we got BPI, though. Take a step, oh. BPI Eli. <laughs> you have it up in front of you. I do have it in front of me. Yes, I'm going with Nevada as a 57 percent favorite. You're close, 58.6. Good okay. job. All right. Do you but, agree with that? Or do you think that's a fair assessment? I might go 60. Okay. Pretty close though. No, I wouldn't go too far off. Because here's the thing: I get the reasons why Utah State would be either favorite or this base would be a toss-up winning. Uh, What's five, four to five, four to ten times, four and a half out of ten times to get to win. They've been playing well, but here's the thing. Um, here's who they beat. Yes, they crushed San Diego State to good win. Well, I don't know. I can't even say here's who they beat. They've been playing well. Losing at San Diego State's not really about loss the way they've been playing late. They've been dominating opponents outside of the New Mexico loss and, or excuse me, New Mexico win and Fresno win. Both on the road, those are two and one point win, respectively. Every other game has been pretty much fairly comfortable. I know they came back against Boise State, but all those, again, road games where mm-hmm. they've struggled have been road games outside of Air Force where they won by double digits. Then the road, they are not as good, which is, mo- you can say that for most teams. That's not a shock, yeah. but I'm just kind of looking through. I think you're, I think that if, the, I'm going to say Nevada's going to win. They should win. Nevada on the road hasn't been as good. And would this be, like, is this the best team Nevada's played, played all year, you think? Or is uh, there a better team they've played? I think that's I, I think that's the argument. It definitely is the case on Kempom. It's the only top fifty team that Nevada's played this year. Okay, it, and they're they're playing well, great as well. In that first game, I don't think it matters as much because it was the very first non or excuse me first conference game back in what January two or something. Mm-hmm. They rolled them out of the gym. They crushed them. This game's going to be hype. This is going to be atmosphere is going to be. I don't know what the pit had when they lost to Nevada, to Nevada or when they beat Nevada in New Mexico. I'm saying, I don't know if that was a sell, but this is a confirmed sellout. No room to watch this game anywhere. However, side note, ticket or StubHub only seventeen bucks. So if you want to go second market, get in this game go. for cheap. Which I guess it's gonna I be worth it. It's gonna be worth yeah, it. It'll be worth it. This is like one of the. I guess it's hype because there's there's been better matchups in the conference by far ever historically. But the way Utah State's been playing is what makes this a pretty big game. Like, they're not losing. They're winning big. It's, I think you're right. It's defense because we see Nevada go cold. Like, is Utah State going to run his own defense and, like, Jordan Caroline and Martin or whomever shoot three-pointers and they miss them? And, like, fine, keep shooting. We'll let you shoot threes. And then you got Kata down low. Him, like, who's like his matchup against whoever he's playing against down low, that's going to be a, something big to watch. Like, can he handle going up against, like – Probably Trey Porter. Yeah, Trey Porter, whoever, if he gets matched up. 
with anybody down there. That'll be one of the biggest matchups to watch because he can't have a game like he did versus um, their prior matchup versus San Diego State where he has single digits, gets into foul trouble. They, including the bench play, obviously, I think they need Kata to have a big game as well. Yeah, I think Kata's definitely the key. He's going to match up against um, most of the time against Trey Porter. Maybe Jordan Brown gets some minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's going to be... A, a big one to watch. I think again, Utah State. If they're able to get production from players that aren't named Merrill or Kata, that'll be really key. Um, Nevada still leans on their starting five as much as anyone in the country. I actually looked this up the other day. If you can believe it, we talked so much heading into the season about how is Musselman going to distribute the the minutes uh, for this year's Nevada's <laughs> team because they have so many guys coming in as transfers. Same old, same old. La- yes, last uh, even to more of an extent. Last season, uh, Nevada was 318th in the country in bench minutes. This year, can you guess where it's at? What was, sorry, what was the total minutes you said? Uh, 25% last year, which was 318th in the country. Do you want me percentage or just told like spot you can guess. You can guess rank. I, I say they're 325. You're close, 332nd. They're worse. They're, they're only... 21 teams that play more bench guys than Nevada, if you can believe it. Crazy. All right, that, that's that's nuts. It, it's working, I guess, so it's like you can't fault him for doing mm-hmm. that. Is that going to be an issue this game? Because Utah State doesn't go deep either, so I don't I don't think it'll matter. Both teams will plot. I'm wondering if this game might even limit that a little bit. It could, yeah. I mean, Muslin's always going to throw out his best player, especially when he needs a key win like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a key for tomorrow's game. I just think that that's kind of an interesting fact. still think this comes down to things like turnovers and what both teams do on the boards. Um, Utah State can at least control the rhythm of this game on the glass. Nevada's 251st in offensive rebounding percentage, while Utah State is second in defensive rebounding percentage. So if the Aggies are contesting Nevada's jump shots, forcing those jump shots, and they're active on the glass, and it really would prevent Nevada from getting second-chance opportunities. And I think that could be a key for Utah State to pull off this upset. It's a pretty big deal. So I I, I hope for how much this game's getting, like we talked to Craig Smith the other day I did. We've chatted. We see what Musselman's saying. We've seen what everybody's talking about. I got the bacon, sell out promotion, sell out for the game. Um, it better be worth it, right? I, I hope, hope so. Yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be worth it. Let me ask you this: Is it worth it for you to pay two hundred thirty-three dollars per ticket? Um, I would not do that. There is a section. I'm also a college student. Sure. <laughs> section A, row twenty-six on Vivid Seat. Two tickets available at two hundred thirty-three dollars per. I mean, if I had disposable income where that wasn't a big deal, yeah, I would. I would do that. That would be awesome. Would you pay? That's court, not court side, but middle. Would you pay? Because that seventeen dollar was not correct. Apparently, on ESPN. Holy crap! Um, oh, that's a different seat. Sorry. Um, would you sit behind the court at fifty five dollars a ticket? Yeah, definitely. Row twenty six, so near the top, or row thirty three, so you'd be near the top of the section behind a hoop. That one's fifty five dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll probably do it. Yeah, that's the cheapest ticket right now. Yeah, okay, then that would do it. Okay, just curious. Just wonder what your baseline is. Because, again, 50 bucks, it's 100 bucks plus uh, service fees, whatever. It's, uh, it's pricey for it's anybody. It's pricey, yeah. But I, th- I think this will be a good game. And it's it's a game to watch this year. I mean, you usually spend 
upwards of a hundred dollars when you go to a sporting event anyway so yeah it depends how much food you buy and all that all that yeah. stuff um so do you want to do a score prediction should i give a score prediction yeah, yeah. Do, you want, do you want to what do yeah. you got yeah i am going with nevada 76 to 71 70 they'll score that many points you think i think so yeah i think it might be a tad score lower i think it'd be like 60 to 56 for nevada okay i think that will be it'll be a like and i think it's more defensive game Either they don't – well, whatever defensive game you have, you want to put it out where it's low scoring – not obviously low scoring, but bad defense or missed shots. Because we've seen Utah State struggle from three. Utah State struggled but one versus San Diego State, but their defense played pretty well. So I think it'll be a low scoring Nevada victory. They'll clinch the number one seed, and, yeah, that's what we'll go for. The Utah State will probably come in number two, and we'll see what tournament time comes. Yeah, it, it's, it's just really cool to see – Craig Smith and also Justin Hudson at Fresno State to see what these two have accomplished this season. I think Aggie fans, regardless of what the result is on Saturday, to even be in this position against a team that was top 10 in the preseason, um, taking on a team that was picked ninth in the Mountain West under a first-year coach. The, the fact that Utah State can almost essentially control their own destiny for a number one seed in the Mountain West this year is really impressive, and I think Saturday's matchup should be um, a, a fantastic game to watch. It's going to be huge. So let's go to the other big game on Saturday. I guess it's sort of big. Boy State versus UNLV. 11-17 versus 15-13. Yeah, here we go. I guess it's a big, sort of a big game. It's also in CBS following, um, CBS Sports Network following that Utah State game. This is the battle for the bye, correct? Uh, yes. So you get what was the state you told me before about winning records in these teams who don't have any, essentially, or okay, whatever? Yeah, so... <laughs> UNLV and Boise State, these two teams have combined for just one victory against teams above 500 in league play this year. So that's against Nevada, Utah State, Fresno State, and San Diego State. Boise State had that um, 24-point victory on January 5th against San Diego State. That's the only win that either of these two teams have against those top four teams. So. Um, they're still fighting for a quality seed. Boise State, the best that they can do is a six. UNLV um, can do as high as a four seed. Um, but no. again, these teams like they've they've had their chances and they just have not come through. So it's it's an opportunity for both of these teams to gain some momentum heading into the Mountain West tournament. Yeah, I should have corrected myself. I thought Boise State was a tad higher, so they could not get to that top the top buy. So. Um... No other games. I guess we, who knows when we'll podcast next, which will be next week. If we go to the week after, nothing. We got Nevada Air Force, Utah State, CSU, whatever. Um, I guess next big game is Fresno San Diego State on Wednesday next mm-hmm. week. Big one, yeah. That because we already kind of went through a tiebreaker scenario as well, where it was basically Fresno has the edge. Basically, Fresno wins. They're going to get that three seed, but if they lose, like that's I think that's a big seeding being three or four. Because you'd rather probably play, say, Utah State than Nevada earlier on. Oh, you definitely want the three seed instead of the four seed, yeah. And because that first round matchup, if you're a four, it's against that five, and if you're a three, then it's either against six or eleven. Yeah, and so well, that's I guess there's that too. I just think it's up ahead. I didn't even think about that, but you're correct. Like, so if you're the three seed, you're probably playing, say, six seed is CSU or the winner of say at this moment CSU San Jose State Rams, obviously. Not great, but not terrible. Nico Carvaccio, what he can do, that'd be mm-hmm. a little bit tougher, but still easier than playing UNLV. Yeah, I, 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 I CSU's been playing better basketball. Yeah, yeah, they have. So it's like you, but your point still stands. You'd rather play six or eleven than five. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what the return for Justin Hudson is going to look like at Viejas, um, associate head coach that left for Fresno State this year. I know a lot of Aztec fans. I don't think I have any ill will toward Hudson, uh, but it's definitely tough for the SDSU fans to see him go and what he's quickly done with this Fresno State program. So that's his homecoming matchup. And that, besides from that, like as you said, this is a really, really big game in terms of seeding for the Mountain West Tournament. I think it'll be a good one. Do you think Aztec fans would rather have uh, Dutch or Houston? Uh, I think, oh, man, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> tough, actually. But, again, the fact that we're even considering that is a yeah, testament that, that is. Hudson's done because a year ago, I don't know if that really would have been the case, but Aztec fans have been hard on Dutcher, which I can understand, but he's turned things around quite a bit these last months, and he did the same thing last year. Uh, but Hudson, in his first season with this Fresno State team, to already get them to twenty and eight, and in the mix for the number two seed, that's that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, any other games we need to get to, or any other shenanigans we need to talk about? How about San Jose State picking up their first conference win? Oh, uh, we missed on that. Sorry. Oh, apologies. Congrats to uh, Spartan Country. There, you beat New Mexico. Not just what? beat, not just beat New Mexico. Well, you won by seven points. That's still a good victory. Led uh, by as many as thirteen. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal with New Mexico? Man, if I only knew. This team is just bizarre. Actually, there was a stat that came up this week. I believe Jeff Grammer tweeted it out. Of course. He said that according to Ken Palm, New Mexico has the highest differential and best win and worst loss in the same season. They have that yeah. win against <laughs> Nevada, currently 22nd Ken Palm, by 27 points. <laughs> so that even makes it even crazier. And then they have the loss on Tuesday to 340th ranked San Jose State. Jeez. Uh, San Jose State is now 2-35 and 35 in their last 37 Mountain West games, I believe. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that's the biggest. Yeah, the differential. Oh, man. But congrats to Spartans. They, we hope they turn it around because we don't want a team that's just awful in the league all the time, right? We want a decent no. team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see some competition, but – yeah, this is a low point for New Mexico basketball. So, I don't want to get too much into Paul Weir and um, Noodles conversation, Craig Neal. There's some stuff on Twitter about some stuff that's not actually true, I don't think, so we're not going to get into it. But, like, it's Paul Weir, like, this is year two. New Mexico's bleeding money for athletics. They're trying to get a couple million bucks from the state legislature to bring in its legislative session to bring back, like, men's soccer, ski team, and stuff. I'm assuming there's no reason he would go anywhere because they can't get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't really would see the incentive of getting rid of him yet anyways. I just think this is a season that has kind of gone sideways. My my only concern, and I've talked to some others about this, is I just am a little hesitant towards how Paul Weir has constructed this roster. Um, just with the types of... Um, I don't know the play styles that these guys have. You're you're trying to almost somewhat go the route that Musselman did with getting some of these high major transfers that, or at least notable guys to come in and do the job. And it and it works. And they've had some players who have done excellent things this year. Vance Jackson's been really good. Keith McGee has been good. Carlton Bragg has been a solid role player. But it, I feel like the influence of Eric Musselman and what he's done at Nevada could really harm the other Mountain West head coaches or at least 
make them steer away from what makes them so good. And we saw that last year with Paul Weir with what he was able to do with New Mexico. Take some of these guys like Joe Firstinger, turn him into one of the better players in the Mountain West tournament last season. Um, Anthony Mathis turned him into just a fantastic shooter and let him be who he actually is. That team last year, I think, is what a Paul Weir team should look like. And that's not to say that this roster can't get it done, but I just don't know if going this route is going to work out for some of these coaches because what Musselman has done is so rare, and I don't think many coaches, if any, can do what he's done. And if other coaches think that they're capable of doing the same thing, I just don't know if it's going to pan out the way that they think it's going to. He's basically pulling the Bill Snyder route at Kansas State football at Nevada Hoops, bringing Juco transfers and succeed and be not just succeed, but be competing for conference titles and beyond. Yeah, and it's just it's not always going to work when you bring in a bunch of transfers. Uh, it sometimes it just doesn't work, and we haven't seen that yet with Nevada. But it, I mean, it could happen over time. You just it's so much easier, I think, to get sustained success when you get four year players or JUCO guys. Um, not to say that I'm at all or even remotely close to against what Musselman has done at Nevada, but it, you're going to have years like this where things just don't pan out, and that's what happens with New Mexico this season. All right, so I know he's going to be safe. That's kind of a hypothetical to see, but it, could it be like he needs to change his coaching style from the stupid, oh, you got the most deflections, you're going to start because you work hard. How about you just find your five best guys and get a continuity for your lineup? Because that honestly could go a long way. Maybe see those guys hustling more. They're better defenders. Get them in a bit more. But go with your best guys every game. Like, why mess around with having 30 games and 24 different starting lineups? What good does that do you? Well, I mean, to play devil's advocate, wouldn't you agree that it worked last season? Yeah. But this year it's been the complete opposite. Yeah. So, so you think maybe – Well, that's my point. It's sample size is a small and a yearly thing, but common sense – Go with your best players. If those guys are doing more, maybe do your rotation differently. But my point is he could still he could incorporate that and sell his best guys play. Mm-hmm. Because you have your set starting five, but maybe it's – I know it's a reward. I, th- I know what he's doing. Hey, if you work hard in practice, you'll get playing time. That's what, he get, that's what he's getting at, and it's clear to see, and it's a good move. However, have your set starting five, or maybe you have a seven guys you're considering starting matchup-wise – Every game, five to seven guys who could start. Those guys who work hard, maybe they're first off the bench to come in after your starters get in the groove and get going. Because it's hard to build team chemistry when you have a different point guard every other game or a different center or a different four. So you could do both, but you got to have some sort of continuity with the guys like a set rotation for the mo- for at least your starting unit, I would say. That- yeah, I mean, it's, it's a reasonable gripe, and I think a lot of Lobos fans probably share that same idea. I, I don't know if it is that big of a deal at the end of the like at the end of it all because you still end up with your main guys playing the most minutes Anthony Mathis is averaging almost 30 minutes a game Vance Jackson Carlton Bragg McQuatch Malwatch Keith McGee and Dane Kuyper are also above 20 minutes a game so his best players are playing the most minutes um, but, but are they playing together with the most minutes just that see that I don't know and I haven't seen like their lineup rotations and all that or even if there's statistical significance to show whether or not that is actually harming this team Uh, but it is definitely something to consider and when you do something out of the ordinary and it doesn't pan out it you're going to face backlash Mm -hmm. it's just how it is and last year 
Paul Weir was praised for it because yeah. of what he did um, in February and in March. And this year, the Lobo fans aren't pleased at all because it hasn't panned out. No, I, it's it, there's both ways to look at it because you're correct in saying that. Just find some middle ground if it's because the swing is what the difference is. Last year, so great, almost made NCAA tournament, and this year you're a fighting for the ninth seed. Mm-hmm. So had the drop been a little bit, people might say, "Well, is this working?" It's like, well, maybe, maybe not, but we're still competing for a top four seed in a conference. Yeah, so that's yeah, it's, it's quite the drop. That's why I'm like, oh, geez. Um, I think we're all good. I think we, I think we exhausted our nearly hour limit this time at 48 minutes. So check out the games this weekend on Saturday. We'll have some previews. We'll have some all sorts of stuff going up today on Friday. Listen to this. Obviously, we'll be back some point next week to say congrats to Nevada winning the conference championship or split title could be on the line or Aggies could win outright because you know what, Eli, Nevada still plays San Diego State. That's right. Rematch. So it could be four in a row. So we'll see what that all comes about this next weekend. So everybody, thanks for listening. If you like the show, iTunes, Stitcher, Sound, or not SoundCloud, sorry, Spreaker. I don't know why you get Spreaker and SoundCloud mixed up. I don't even use SoundCloud ever anymore. So I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to years ago. We used to, we're on that platform. No, we're on anywhere. Tune in. Find us. Uh, just search Mount Westwire, MWR.com. And we'll see you next time, folks. And we will have a lot of basketballs. I'm trying to end here, and I can't do my control tab. Next time, folks, see ya.